Hey everybody, this is Chad with I Want to Know. Uh, we're here today with Ashley Newman, also known as the Queen of Bud, also known as uh, Noteworthy Girl, if you're looking on Instagram. Uh, she's the uh, owner and founder of Queen of Bud Dispensary in Calgary. Is that right? That is correct. Perfect. How's it going? It's going good. So you guys just got back from Maui. Yeah, Maui was nice. I bet, yeah. Very nice. Get away from the snow and the cold for a little while. Yeah. yeah. You were there a week? Yes. Cool. So let's get right into it. What was uh, your reasoning for going into the marijuana business, the cannabis business? Well, there was a couple reasons. I really believe in cannabis. I think it's an amazing um, herb. And so then it's a new industry that I kind of got to jump into. So I was excited about that. Uh, It was a little bit intimidating because it's a new industry. But Yeah. um, yeah, and then and just... I wanted it to have a little bit of quality control in place. I know that we have a bit of an issue here with um, marijuana being laced with fentanyl. Uh, so in Canada, in in Calgary, actually, there's oh, been a couple wow. deaths. We had a family friend at 15 pass away. You're talking about not legal cannabis, so this is correct. The black, black market. market, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so I thought after that, which was uh, about a year and a half ago, that this is something I, I want to help be a part of and kind of correct it. So at least it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you guys have been up and running for what, just about a month now? Yes, correct. Nice. We, I was curious about the buying system. So it sort of seems like it's like you're buying off of like the diamond exchange is, is sort of the system that it looked like to me. Is that the way it's working or like what's the process as far as you guys collecting stock? So they just changed it um, actually this week. The pro- the process before was that we would log online and we could do online orders through the AGLC website and then it would we'd schedule a delivery uh, day and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, because of the stock shortage and issues in actually getting any inventory, um, that we had people, you know, fighting over if you were on the computer the most, then you got the most stock and your store yeah. was okay. So now they're doing a manual. So each store only gets a certain amount of boxes uh, and certain strains. And until they figure it out, that's kind of the way it is right now, which sucks a little bit. But yeah, it seems like when I was a kid, the dealers never ran out. Right? (laughs) I know. (laughs) The dude growing out of his garage did a better job of supplying everybody than the government uh, regulated uh, grow ops. Yeah, I I feel you. I feel you. (laughs) That's got to be right. Well, there's only what, three, three or four shops in Calgary that are open? Yeah, and um, I'm so happy this week they actually, uh, the AGLC announced that they're no longer approving any more dispensaries until they get the stock um, issues figured out. Very cool. So I'm super happy about that because my concern was, okay, even if they take on more LPs, even if they, you know, figure out uh, enough to our situation, well, now you've approved another hundred. So how are you going to you know, get enough inventory for those um, yeah. stores as well? So I'm happy that until they've, you know, it, it sucks because I can't even open more of my own stores, but right. it's good in a way that at least the stores that we have, we can, um, keep you know, keep, keep them fully stocked. Yeah. So where is most of it coming from? Is it grown here in Canada or is it growing all over the place? It's grown here in, in Canada. Okay. Yeah. There's, uh, I know we talked about uh, Aurora a little bit before it started here. They're probably the number one grower in Canada, I'm guessing. I don't know. Canopy's pretty big. I mean, uh, Tilray, Tweed, 
Those okay. companies are massive as well. Aurora gets a lot of media attention. Um, They're but kind of the pioneers too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I had a bunch of the stuff that I want to talk to you about here today. The one thing I noticed, I've been in your store three times now, and uh, today uh, sitting down there watching people come in, this feels like uh, most of the people are just normal people, not what you would think potheads is the, I don't know, with the quotations around them to be. The, how do you feel your customers are? Um, Aurora was in here a couple of weeks ago and they actually commented on that, that we have just such a diverse group here. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what I wanted for this store. I wanted it to be so beautiful, um, like a, you know, a Holt Renfrew or a Saks Fifth Avenue, but to not have it where you feel like awkward or anything. I want everyone to step in and feel so welcome, feel so loved. We have uh, homeless people that come in and they <laughs> we give them our bottles. They cash in the bottles <laughs> nice. and buy weed with it. Um, you know, he's making Amy a nice mixtape right now. And so, <laughs> and then we have, you know, the housewives up in Aspen. We have uh, the businessmen coming in uh, that take the train home. We just, and then we definitely have the, the stoners or potheads as, as well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you do this is a place where everyone's accepted and loved yeah absolutely the uh so what are some of the benefits um last time i was in here i was in here with my mom and we were uh talking a little bit because my parents are older um they're in a fair amount of pain all the time they have some health issues um, and you were telling some of the stories about uh why um cannabis was good for you yeah so um as a dispensary owner, we're not ever allowed to discuss kind of the medical side of it or, you know, suggest products can help with any medical conditions that we sell because we are purely recreational. Um, but my personal story with mm. cannabis uh, is that, yeah, I have a condition called endometriosis um, uh, where I, I get severe inflammation and pain. Uh, and so I had five surgeries Um multiple uh, different uh, prescription drugs and I just felt like it was too much. I felt so anxious and it just one medication would do one thing then I needed something for the side effects for that one and so finally I just said you know what I'm not doing any of this anymore I'm just gonna you know try and go all natural and and I started taking a little bit of the CBD oil and it it was fantastic and it's changed my life and my father has um brain tumors it's changed his life wow he uh, was having eight seizures a day and now he has none uh, wow. So it's just, I think it's, it's such a positive, positive thing. So with the, with your dad um, and, and the brain tumors, are they seeing a reduction in the size of them? Because that's one of the things we see in social media quite a bit. Everyone's like, oh, this cures cancer, or this cures this. Or, and, and I know you're not the medical professional, but with your dad in particular, are they seeing results or is it more keeping them super comfortable? Um, no, it's shrunk. Wow. By a couple millimeters. So, I mean, it's not much, but I mean, it's something. It hasn't yeah, shrunk in uh, 15 years that he's had it. Um, it's non-cancerous. Okay. Uh, so, um, but yeah, he went uh, the last visit and they said that it had shrunk. So, nice. I don't know. I mean, if that's because of the CBD <laughs> or not, but it's it, yeah. it's just, yeah. Is that all he's doing is just CBD? No, nothing with THC in it? No. Um, 
he doesn't really like the side effects of THC. So yeah. kind of the head high and feeling like you're stoned. The CBD, you can feel completely uh, normal right. with. So Yeah. That's uh, the one thing my parents are talking about too, wanting to try uh, some CBD too, to reduce some of their, their pains, their anxieties, that kind of stuff with that just comes with old age. You know, my dad's been a construction worker for, I don't know, I think... 55 years or something <laughs> pushing drywall tools and uh, stuff around so he's he's a little bit beat up so he's looking forward to when uh, the edibles are available and you were thinking that uh, it would be sometime in the summer you think the, the edibles will be available yeah I'm so excited for edibles too it's a game changer um, but yeah originally they said October 2019 but the LPs are really prepared and and the quality controls in place i know that they're worried about the consistency of the uh, chocolates or candies or the edibles I imagine the food safe portion of it as well right making sure that the the the, the food the, the the gummies the candies the whatever are being made in a food safe way yeah exactly and so the lps have been working on that and apparently it's already ready and they have the packages ready so cool. um maybe even as soon as june 2019 so i was talking to I'm going to not remember who said this to me right now. It'll come to me. That because of the election coming up, that they thought that the edibles would get pushed back a lot further. So you guys watching the political side of this at all? Yeah, and that is a concern of mine. I mean, if everything goes the way it's going right now, then I can see them coming out in June. But... Um, I know that the, yeah, that the other party is not really a fan of the legalization of cannabis. So yeah, maybe it could, it could affect it. Could deter it for a while. Yep. I imagine with the amount, again, just sitting down in your store, watching the diversity of people coming in and not being, well, none of them were the typical stoner looking type people that you would imagine from the movies or whatever, that uh, they were all pretty normal people that this is, must have been going on in our community for a long, long time. I don't think a lot. A lot of them are brand new just walking in here and like, oh, we're allowed to do this now. So I'm going to start. <laughs> yeah, I think we were fortunate with the the um, medical cannabis shops that opened up a couple of years right, ago, yeah. because I think that the the seniors, at least that I've noticed, they already had experience from kind of the medical aspect of it the last yeah. couple of years. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, we'll get off the, the cannabis for a little bit, because the one thing, um, you, you're very prominent on Instagram. Um, you have two Instagram pages, one being Noteworthy, noteworthy Gal, um, and that page you have the highest number of followers. Is it in Alberta? No, not, I'm not sure. It was posted just a little while ago that you no, were... No, I won, um, yeah, out of... Um, a certain number of accounts I won top 28 most influential. Oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. of, I think it was more because um, of the content, kind of being a mom and an entrepreneur and kind of not just posting fancy, nice things and saying this, oh, I'm rich. Um, right. It's kind of talking about the other aspects of my life. And yeah. um, life isn't about how much money you have necessarily. There's lots of other things that contribute to your happiness. So, so why did you grow that page? Like what you must have put some effort into that page and what was the purpose behind it? Oh yeah. It's not easy at all. <laughs> no, it wasn't like, Oh, I just got all these yeah. followers. No, you have to have really good content. And I had a blog up, um, at the time that I was posting kind of, you know, how to get along with your ex-husband, how, okay. you know, I raise my girls and how, what, you know, you can do with kids and just 
just different kind of topics. And then, um, and then I also had the beauty aspect of it. Like what are, you know, what's my favorite makeup or, um, kind of outfits and brand right now and just talked about everything. So it was again, a little bit diverse. So, so many different people, um, really glommed onto that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that actually made me think about uh, something we were talking with uh, a couple a while ago that were uh, avid pot smokers and they said, why is it okay for everyone to go out and grab a case of beer and sit in their backyard with their, their family and, and drink a case of beer or a bottle of wine or, or whatever it is that you do, but people are very skeptical about doing marijuana or cannabis in front of anybody. It's almost like they're, it's legal. We can totally do it. Lots of people are stepping out and doing it, but it's not the norm. Our culture isn't there yet. Yeah. I mean, I think with anything, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, there are still quite a few people that are totally against this legalization and cannabis. True. So, I mean, I've witnessed it myself. Uh, people have made comments to me about being a dispensary owner. I'm actually kind of scared to even say I am at times, yeah. but I think eventually that'll change and people, it'll be the norm like alcohol and beer. It's been around for how long? So forever. Yeah. yeah. So it just, this is just gonna, it's something so new. We're the first country in the entire world to fully legalize it so um did portugal did it as well yeah yeah yeah. um so but yeah we're we're you know still figuring out massive right down the states it's still technically illegal nationally and then Mm -hmm. each state is able to legalize it as they well not they're not able they are legalizing it so you guys aren't having issues with the banks like they are down the states are you um, no, not now. Now that it's legalized, it's fine. But yes, like prior to, um, legalization, we could not open a bank account. Um, luckily BMO was willing to work with us. Uh, ATB and BMO were kind of the ones working with dispensaries. Okay. Um, so, but our account was limited, like, you know, no credit and no checks and we had to just do bank drafts and just until legalization. Now it's like totally a normal, Regular normal account. account. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I know down, uh, I think it was in Denver. Where did they open first in the States? I think it was in Denver that uh, no one was allowed to deposit their money in the bank. So they had all this cash sitting around and guys were getting knocked on the back of the head and they were getting robbed like regularly. Um, So that's not happening here. That would be silly. No, no. Here it's totally, everything's really normal. Cool, cool. Yeah. Excuse me. The the buying system, I can't remember what you said it was called. Where do you buy it from? Like, oh, the AGLC. AGLC. So, what does yeah. that stand for? The Alberta Gaming Liquor Commission. Oh, it falls under them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, same people that sell um, uh, alcohol to yeah. the liquor stores. Okay. Um, we we purchase from them. Uh, so, yeah, I don't. It's. I'm I'm actually having a meeting with them uh, next week um, to kind of go over Alberta because the industry, the way that it is right now, it is not going to survive. We have stock issues. The price is um, quite high per gram and the quality is just not there. So you're expecting people to pay three times, four times what it is on the street, but yet the, you know, it's just, the buds are small, it's dry because it was packaged in July. Mm. It's just unacceptable and then it's underweight because as weed kind of starts to dry out, it goes down in, in weight. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, we've had people complain because they're like, look, I'm like paying a premium 
to come to buy it from a dispensary and then I open it and it's three grams and I'm supposed to have 3.5, right? It's very disappointing for people. And there's nothing we can do because we have no control. We're not allowed to open or tamper with any of the packaging or any of the product. Sealed like cigarette box would be. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... Yeah, it's just, it's really frustrating and we've had uh, people complaining about it online. I don't think they understand that we, it's at, totally out of our control, yeah. but we need to be able to purchase from the LPs directly, I think, or figure out some other way. Uh, and then um, we need to be able to get it in bulk um, where, you know, we weigh it in front of the customer, they get the proper weight and then um, we put it in... Uh, they can see it, they can smell it, they can, you know, see if they, that's what they truly want to buy. Yeah. We're only allowed 15 sample jars out at a time. So we mm-hmm. can only put 15 out of the 50 strains out. So people won't really get a chance to smell it or take a look at, yeah. at the product that they're purchasing. Um, so that I think is, is a huge issue. Um, what's the reason for only allowing 15 samples out? Like there, those are in like sealed lock containers. Yeah. They, they have, uh, um, I don't know, I'll describe it to everybody. It's sort of like a, a diamond shaped plastic jar that's completely sealed other than a couple holes. And you guys have like a, a rubber plug in it. So you can look through the top, which is a magnifying glass and take a look at the, I'm guessing the THC on it, the way the buds formed, all that kind of stuff. And then you could pull the plug off and there's little holes there that you can smell the product. Yeah, that's correct and then we're only allowed one to two grams in each container wow so did they give you a reason why or this is just like oh we're the government this is all we want you to do well i i kind of i understand where they're coming from they're like it's a new industry we don't we don't want people getting robbed or if there's too much product out then i know that that's their main concern but um yeah it makes it a little bit difficult and then the people can't see what they're purchasing so even if we open up a one container dump it in the sample jar and it's great you could buy another container and it might not be good it could right so it's they don't get to see the product prior to purchasing it yeah whereas i guess they're trying to run it like the alcohol business where it's you know distilled and bottled and sealed and then you're good but it doesn't it's not the same it's not the same product that's the problem so what would you be your ultimate goal like getting you know five pound boxes one pound boxes and then you guys just cut out pick out the stuff that's good i mean obviously you guys would be dealing with the um the waste that would you know the stuff that dried out too fast or whatever so that would take the pressure off of the uh, suppliers Mm -hmm. because they're probably dealing with maybe they're not maybe they're just dumping it all in the box (laughs) is that what's going on i don't know i'm not sure (laughs) so what, what would it look like ultimate for you um or as the dispensaries what would the perfect system be well what they've done in uh colorado is great they have a great system in place, I think, where they yeah. can purchase from, you know, the best kind of, you know, craft growers or if as long as Health Canada approves that LP or approves that micro, then we should be able to purchase from them. Then we can select, you know, how you can buy different, you know, purchase from distilleries or and get, you know, whatever you kind of are looking for. I think we should be able to do that as well. Be so who does the boxing? Is it the 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 farmer does the boxing or there's a middleman? Yeah, there's a processing plant. Okay. Uh, like Tweed has their own, Aurora has their own. So okay. it's still the LP. It's just a separate license. So when you apply for an LP, you apply f- to grow. And then there's another application or another check mark you have to get for the processing aspect of it. Okay. What's LP stand for? Licensed producer. Oh, cool. Um, so you would like... Th- 
to, to cut out that, that middleman and just have it come directly to you. So box. Well, and uh, if the AGLC, cause I, they've been nothing but kind to me and really cooperative on everything. Like if we don't even have to cut them out, but I think we should, it should come where we can at least see the product and weigh it in front of the customers. So they know that they're getting exactly what they've, what they asked for. Yeah. And then the packaging itself, like, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's huge. It the is. containers are huge for one gram. It's so wasteful. And I don't think, you know, a lot of people that smoke cannabis are very, you know, uh, they respect the environment and, and they like to recycle and it's just very wasteful. And it sucks for me because I have to get, you know, massive bags that if someone wants to buy the, uh, an ounce, which they can, that, 30 grams is however much uh, how much they can purchase i have to give them this massive bag with 30 containers in it oh they don't come anything but the one gram containers well some strains do and then others don't but the biggest uh, that we carry is 3.5 so you're giving them 10 boxes exactly (laughs) you know what i mean and the boxes are huge they're massive so you know it's it's kind of like that it just doesn't make sense it does not make sense Just to describe it for the listeners, the boxes are probably a a little bit shorter than a cigarette box, um, but a little bit thicker than a cigarette box. Would that be right? Yeah, they're yeah they're quite large. I was surprised, like a three inch by three inch by three inch kind of box. Yeah, and just for one little nug of weed. (laughs) So So crazy. Um, So much for um, uh, being tree huggers and loving the planet, and let's let's make it as big and as ugly as we can, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then the other issue with it is too is that um, the containers are squares, some of them. So when they bump into each other on, um, you know, when they're getting shipped here, uh, then the seal breaks, and we can't sell it if the seal is broken, and mm. so you know, boxes will come and majority of the seals are broken. Well, I can't sell that and I have to send it back. So that's a little bit annoying as well. That's hard with the stocking issue already. (laughs) I get a bunch in, but I'm not allowed to sell it. It's got to go back out again. Yeah. That is annoying. The, um, what was I just thinking? Yeah, it would be cool to see it done right in front of everybody. And I guess with candies, you wouldn't be able to do that at that time. Maybe it'd be more like a candy store and you'd have a whole jar for it and you could pick like six gummies and four pieces of chocolate. Or would that come in like the, not like a bulk born, it would come more like, like candy does in the grocery store. I think, so if you look at the dispensaries in Colorado, have you taken a look? Like they have kind of those big jars of, of weed and then you just kind of take a look at it, then you pull it out, weigh it, and then you package it for the okay. customer. Yeah. So it'd be something along those lines. Like an old-fashioned candy store, just like yeah. a wall full of jars, basically. Yeah. yeah. The edibles should be prepackaged, absolutely, because, you know what I mean? You, yeah. And you need to know the the amounts and all yeah. that kind of stuff that you're getting. So those can totally be packaged, but as far as the... the as the bud. Yeah, the actual bud, people want to see it. They want to smell it. Yeah. Cool, cool. So how do you feel about the the culture part of this? So, um, you know, I think a lot of people believe that it's just those stoners kids that that were doing it or, you know, the old hippies, that kind of thing. Um, How do you think this is going to change Canadian culture? I think people are going to be a lot nicer. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it was Joe Rogan that did a, a bit about he could solve the Middle East problem if uh, you just like took a crop duster full of pot smoke over there. Everyone would just mellow right out and we could all be friends and brothers and all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think people will be a lot nicer. I think, um, you know, I've said this from the beginning. I'm not really a fan of, of alcohol. I've seen it really impact a lot of people that I care about. Uh, on, you know, I've asked cab drivers, what do you think of the legalization? They're like, I think it's good because when, you know, you pick up drunk people, they're aggressive, they're, mm. you know, lippy. And um, then when you pick up someone that just smoked a joint, he's like, maybe they'll pay you extra to take them to McDonald's <laughs> and talk about <laughs> politics. But for the most part, it, the, you know, no issues. Right. So yeah. I think it's really good. Cool, cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I'm not a, a big user at all. Um, I'm not, I was never really against it at all. I did a lot when I was younger. Uh, I think there would be some massive benefits as far as um, relaxation and healing and, um, you know, dealing with pains from the gym and work and stuff like that. But we'll see as time goes on. Um, I want to get back to the, the, the Instagram again. So you're now, there's there's got to be some some process that you went through to yeah. get those so it's not just the content yeah sorry we got a little off topic That's there okay. we um, do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um so good content the other thing is uh people respond better to different filters and how you actually edit your photos mm. um so that's very important as well um all of the editing was very on point it took a lot of time yeah. um i've actually lost quite a few instagram followers because i haven't been posting as much and the reason being is i was doing all of this and it instagram to get that many followers it's a full-time job. Yeah. I was probably on there like 40, 50 hours a week wow. because you have to take the photos, do the photo shoot because people will send you clothes and different things to shoot to their different products. Yeah. Um, so you got to do the photo shoot. That takes an hour or two. Um, be in hair and makeup prior because you got to look good, right? Yeah. And then um, then you got to think of what to actually say. So the content, the hashtags, because the hashtags are very important as well. Yeah. Um, you don't want to pick a hashtag that's like 5 million because based off of your following and how much attraction you have to your page, you're never going to get seen. But then you don't want to go with a hashtag that has 500 because then that means probably not a lot of people are looking at it. Yeah. So you need to choose your hashtags um, properly as well. Hmm. I've been uh, trying to do that with all our guests so well. You know, we had a, a Dr. Tarragon, um well, he was on last week. I uploaded it on Thursday. And I was looking through the hashtags. Like, he's an optometrist. So I'm like, hashtag optometry. And there's like 5 million. I'm like, oh, that's too many. So you try like Calgary optometry and try to get it narrowed yeah. down a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but again, with a podcast, it's a bit difficult, right? We're not doing fashion stuff. We're just uploading content. Uh, so someone was telling me if you are... Um, liking other people's stuff and commenting on other people's that's stuff. That's the other thing likes. too. Yeah, yeah, that takes a lot of time. I would spend a couple hours a day liking other people's photos, going through the different hashtags that I was posting and liking their photos because then maybe they were searching hashtags similar. And yeah. yeah, and commenting. You have to comment. If you like it, there's probably 500 other people that like that photo. If you comment, then you have a better chance of getting seen and you're interacting, You see, right? So yeah, it's it takes a lot of time. Do you comment on ones that have a lot of comments or do you try to be to the top of the comments? So when something comes up, be the first one or, you know, first 20? 
to comment on it. Yeah, yeah. I think after, like, even for me, um, once I get more than 20, I try and respond back to as many as I can, but I won't, after that, it's like, you know, or if it's a question or, right? So I I think it's the same for for others. So I do try and watch that. Cool. So are you trying to do the same thing with uh, Queen of Bud? You want to, you want to grow it? Um, no, I'm actually not doing the Queen of Bud account. Um, okay. I actually have someone that works on that one because I've just been so busy. I haven't had time. And again, yeah. it takes a lot of time to build an account. Uh, so yeah, I have Gary's on it and he's fantastic. Um, he kind of asked me what to post. The other, we're a little bit limited on Queen of Bud because the AGLC, if we don't follow their rules it's a million dollar fine Ooh. if we post um you sell a bucket load of cannabis <laughs> yeah. to pay that off yeah so um we really have to watch what we put like we're not allowed to advertise to you know young we just have to be very careful what we post so um you know he asked me first hey is this okay if he's unsure but yeah. outside of that he's kind of in charge and i've been guiding him on how to grow it and what to do yeah. so do they have a full list of rules or is kind of like if you break the rule they're gonna go say hey, hey we don't want you to do that anymore um they have a full list of rules really yeah that, that they sent a, out to us that'd be a lot of work to put that together yeah yeah they have a list of rules so so what are they obviously don't don't do anything with youth don't do anything with uh, or don't uh, advertise to youth don't do anything medically or yeah like this. no smoking like i can't be like, smoking a joint or we can't advertise a smoked um joint or anything and then okay. we also can't really post cannabis at all no so, so we can <laughs> post you know pictures of the store or you know customer service or kind of deals that we have on or that seems crazy that you can't do that because there's all the activists like i remember about a year before it actually became legal everybody was posting everything that they could on it you know you know being up in the mountains and smoking a joint or you know whatever their 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 fancy new magic pipe was or whatever there, there was tons and you guys aren't allowed to do that at all yeah well i used to when i first created the queen of butt account i used to post all that stuff but then once we got the list of the rules and then they were really like that these are the rules i was like mm, okay i'm not gonna wow. post that anymore seemed, i guess if the rules are same for everybody it's not unfair but it just seems a little bit crazy that you're not allowed to actually show the product at all but i guess tobacco yeah. companies aren't either alcohol companies can they can post a bottle of beer you pouring a glass of beer they're allowed to do that yeah we're considered for advertising we're considered the same as tobacco okay by like the the um health canada and the federal government as well like they have their own restrictions and then the aglc has their own as well okay yeah that's weird um i know there was uh um, studies done because uh, advertisers were going after kids i think in the 80s they were literally using cartoons to get kids to want certain cereals and certain <laughs> toys and then they were banned from doing that because we're so susceptible right yeah so i guess that's why they have to have the strict rules that you're not trying to you know if you start advertising to 14 year olds by the time they're 18 you would have a buyer yeah it's it's fair and you know what yeah. they're they're gonna start to um the other thing is that they're having a lot of complaints as well from these people that are against the legalization. They So they're trying to be fair to that group as well that we're not, you know, that when I put up billboards, there's a lot of restrictions around putting up a billboard. And, you know, I think they're just trying to make sure everyone's happy. Right. Yeah. So have you had any protesters directly at the store or just the online trolls nagging at you? Um, no, not at this store, at my, um, other store, uh, that, um, is 
not open yet. Um, there was a bunch of protesters outside and then I went there to kind of chat with them and kind of maybe educate them on, you know, who we are and what we're about. And then they kind of said, I'm, I'm a kid killer (laughs) and uh, and I'm a terrible human being. You personally, you're out there stomping on kids. And, uh, that we're gonna, that people smoke joints and, and then leave them at the park and their kids will find them and die. And, So, but I think it's just like, we also have to keep in mind that weed has been illegal and it was seen as, you know, this horrible thing for so long. And so now you're telling people very quickly, this legalization happened that, oh, now it's not bad. It's okay. Yeah. So I think again, it's just going to take time and I try and be understanding and just give them love and... That's it. Well, educating people too, right? And as time goes on and like we're actually able to study the product now in a, in a, you know, in labs, it's not just a bunch of, you know, stoners standing around going, oh, this feels really good. I think I feel better than I did yesterday. They're testing this. They're testing it with PTSD. They're testing it with, um, you know, uh, occupational, um, no, OSIs. Can't remember what that stands for, but it's basically brain injuries, um, depression, anxiety, all those are now going to be fully tested. Is there? Do you know of government agencies or universities that have started this now? Oh, yeah. I think the University of Calgary has been working on it. They're I think Mount Royal, they came in here to do an interview. I think they're kind of okay. looking into the the industry as well. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know if you know who Paul Stamets is. No. He's a, a famous mycologist from, uh, this, I think he might have been born in Canada originally, but we just recently heard that he's moved to Vancouver. So now we have the legalization of cannabis, and um, he's always been a big advocate of psilocybin for, for other things. So I think, and you can tell me what you think, that later on down the road, this is going to open the doors for legalization of a lot of other uh, products out there, maybe MDMA, psilocybin, LSD, all these products. Have you heard anything? What are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think so. I think the side effects of cannabis are much <laughs> like lower. lower than something like MDMA or um, or LSD. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know that they are doing research around it for PTSD and other things that they found that MDMA therapy, I guess they give them MDMA and they kind of hash out whatever issues they have and and it's been successful so perhaps maybe in like a you know in a clinic and and you know in a proper place maybe they would test out something like that but i don't think it would become legal i think that's on a totally different level well i think it's in california they've legalized psilocybin I could be wrong. It's one of the uh, psychoactive drugs um, for medical testing now. So I think it was psilocybin that they legalized. And then next would probably be like DMT or something like that. Yeah. And again, like in a medical environment, right? 100%. Absolutely. Psychologists so. and uh, psychologists and yeah, making yeah. sure they're watching them. Uh, I was telling, uh, so the previous episode we recorded was with uh, the owner of Simply for Life and they're getting into edibles for their across uh, Canada. So he studied it at length and uh, I was telling him a story about... Um, uh, I think it was in the 80s, there was a drug dealer that gave what he thought was cocaine to people, but it was actually LSD. So about a dozen people had snorted about 25,000 hits each of LSD. <laughs> so in the drug dealer, I get, I don't know the whole story. So I can imagine in my head, he walked outside and he looked at his hands like, oh shit, I gave him the wrong bag. 
then we went back in and everyone had done a line of LSD. So of the the dozen or 14 people that had done the 25,000 hits, uh, about nine of them, they were able to study over a 20-year period. No side effects. Like they're quite successful people. They're well-rounded. They, they, they spent their 12 or 14 hours in the hospital, I'm sure, feeling like they're... Um, hanging on to the front of a spaceship being shot into space that, uh, uh, but yeah, there's, so, you know, that, and this is all anecdotal, right? That we're not, um, this isn't medically tested or anything, but we have some people that have done mass, mass amounts of LSD and had no side effects. That's crazy. What, did, what were they like in the moment is what I want to know. You think I, you're doing cocaine. I, that would be a huge shocker. Total different ride. <laughs> I know uh, when I was a kid, I did a fair amount of LSD, and I did uh, seven hits one time, and that was that was intense. I wouldn't recommend that. To, That's insane. To, I've never tried it, so yeah, yeah, it's. I don't even know how I would describe it, but um, it, it wasn't harmful. Like it didn't feel. It was just intense. Like I, I tell people that you know, one hit was like being on your bike and riding down a hill, and then the, doing seven hits was like being on the front of a rocket ship. Like it was just, it, it, was, it was it was, insane, but then you walk out the other side and nothing's different. You know, you got a bad taste in your mouth and your stomach's a little upset, but other than that, there was no ill effects. And granted, I was really young, so um, I wasn't, you know, well-educated or, or anything like that, so I would have a different view on it now, and I wouldn't ever recommend it to anybody. Yeah, that's that's insane good on you yeah so the uh, um, the legal eggs for cannabis is it's 18 in Canada is that right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I know there's been some studies showing that uh, your um, oh your frontal lobe doesn't fully develop until you're 25 and it can be affected by alcohol and by drugs and by trauma and stuff like that. So what are your thoughts on changing that age date the the, the, the minimum age? Um, I'm not sure. Like I have kind of, I'm a little wish-washy on it because I do see, um, I do agree. I think that kind of when you're by the age of 25, like that's when I started to use it more medically. I think that's a better age. I think 18 is a little bit young. Yeah. Um, so, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you're an adult, you're allowed to make your own decisions and do what you want. And so, yeah, I don't know. I kind of go both ways. That's uh, the mom and me coming out. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, because it's legal. My kids ask me about it uh, at length. I've got a fourteen-year-old daughter and a twelve-year-old son, and so they're like, "Well, what what does this mean? Like, when's a good time?" And I'm like, "Don't don't drink until like you're done school and your brain's developed. Don't smoke until then. Like, treat your body as good as you can for as long as you can." And I sort of think there has to be a need. Like, it's not, you know, just to go out and get drunk on the weekends. You probably have something that you need to resolve as opposed to going and getting drunk. But people go get drunk to resolve those. And, and maybe cannabis can be used that way as well. But it could also be used for healing and relaxation and, you know, anti-anxiety or depression, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm on the the side where I think that, you know, if there's not a purpose behind it, if it's just to get wasted, eh, it's probably not a good idea. Well, and I think, you know, it comes down to your own discipline as well. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to get addicted to lots of things in life. Um, so you have to just, you know, it's meant to be something fun that you do once in a while if you're really using it to cope and you can't live without it. And, you know, it's 
then that's an I don't, issue. that's an issue. Yeah. And, and it doesn't solve anything. Like I always say this is that you can go and have a drink and maybe it will relax you temporarily. But if you don't solve, you know, your own issues and, uh, fix whatever is going on that's causing you to be unhappy, then it's just kind of putting a bandaid over it and yeah. it doesn't solve the, the problem. So I couldn't agree more. It's and I don't even like drinking in front of my kids. At the odd time, I'll have a beer or two, and my kids are like, We've never seen you drunk. I'm like, eh, You probably won't. <laughs> I'm like that too. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't feel. Um, I've talked to your boyfriend, he feels the same way. Like, he were he doesn't want to do it in front of the kids or near the kids or anything. It's just not, just not comfortable to do around them. Yeah, I just don't. I, I'm very, um, proper i'm very english you know yeah. so we were um is that your heritage yeah okay. yeah english and russian yeah. uh so we're very um yeah Stoic. like i don't want to be yeah i don't want to be a sloppy you know drunk and, and embarrass myself i believe yeah. a lady should handle herself accordingly at all times so. beautiful um so with the you said you were uh, um Married once before, that's obviously the dad of your two daughters. Mm-hmm. And so being a single mom for, um, I'm guessing, quite a few years or a few years? Uh, yeah, it's been about four years. Okay. Yeah. So how do you get from being a single mom to, you know, starting Queen of Butt? Like what's the, you know, <laughs> it, it's difficult enough for moms out there to get good jobs and, and get paid well and, and still take care of their kids. And you seem to have a really good grasp on, you know, the whole financial and mom thing and all that. Oh my goodness. Being a single mom is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It's not easy at all. Like, um, I didn't, yeah, it's, but when you have two little girls and you don't have enough money to like feed them properly, it makes you grow up really quickly and it makes you hustle. Like you've never hustled. You can't feed your kids. You're going to find a way. And that's how I started the first couple companies before this one. Okay. Um, What were they? A Vector One, which okay. I know you're yeah. you're aware of. Yeah. Um, and then I had a marketing company called uh, Trireme, which I no longer have now. But it kind of, it's all stepping stones. And from each industry and each company, you learn so much. Yeah. And that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I learned a lot about marketing. Yeah. If you don't market your brand properly, you know, that's, it, marketing is so important. Yeah. The, the number one issue and the most important when you're starting a business is, do you have enough capital? capital. Do you have enough to fund the business and be okay month to month? If you have a bad couple months, you need to plan ahead and make sure that you have enough. The second is you need to be on point with your marketing. Um, so I learned a lot from there and I just, I'm, I've never been, my, my issue was when you're a single mom, daycare is about $2,000 a month for two kids. That's insane. Then you have to pay for the car, the gas, the electricity and and then a house and and everything, right? And so I couldn't afford to get a regular job and put them in daycare and then still have a roof over our heads. So I thought, okay. And then I just didn't like the idea of someone else raising my girls. My girls are my best friends. I love to be with them all the time. Um, And so I felt like no one else was suited to be there on a daily basis and show them who they are and how they, you know what I mean? They're at such a fragile age from the age of when they're babies to the age of seven. Yeah. 
So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and start my own company. Then that way I can be with them and work from home. And that was kind of my first angle and how it started. And then as well as the Instagram too, like it was another revenue stream. People would uh, send me their products and things like that. And if I really liked them, then uh, they would pay me to to post and talk about it Um, and then take photos. They could use the photos for their own marketing purposes, et cetera. So um, yeah, it just became a hustle for my girls. Cool. The uh, we had a, a lady and my usual co-host on, and they were kind of bashing on me for being married. And I, I brag up marriage. I think marriage is, <laughs> is pretty fantastic. And they're anti-marriage. They've had some bad relationships, and they didn't want to be with anyone else so much so that they barely even date. And I was like, I don't even get that because I, I jokingly say that's where if something happened to my wife. I just order a new wife from somewhere because it's so <laughs> much either having to date that would be horrific to me. Um, so the, the benefits of being uh, married are I, I don't have to be on all the time. I don't have to be good. My wife can take over when I'm not doing good and I vice versa. I can take over for her. And so being watching single parents do what they have to do, like you have to be on all the time. Like there's zero breaks. It's insane. And then imagine working and to, you know, to own your own business and make it work, you got to work harder than any other person. If they're working eight hours a day, then you better be working 12. Right. So you throw that in and then you have two kids. So, and I wanted to be present for them and then they have their swimming and their activities and their dance and and I got to be there. And so you have to try and like I got, you know, maybe four hours sleep the last three years (laughs) because I got to work and then I got to look after the kids and, and, make that that work so but i i love it and it makes me feel how hard i've worked i don't think a lot of people could get through what i've gone through i don't think a lot of people could could do it and i'm just so proud of myself so yeah it was hard it sucked but at the same time i did it yeah and now that you've done that, how hard is the rest of it? If you, you had a good partner, if you know the the business is taking off and the the money's less of an issue, and you know you can r- have someone else run the store for you, and and then just be there for your girls. It's great. It's I so know. great now. So yeah, I went to Maui last week, and then now this week, the uh, my managers are fant- fantastic at the store. Um, so they're here, and I get to still take the girls to school in the morning and nice. pack their lunches, pick them up after school, and then. Um, I drop them off with my mom so I can come down for a couple hours to the store. And, you know, I found a good system that kind of works. And I feel very happy as well that I get to be with the girls because being away from them, I'm just, that's, that's my happiness in life. So we, we sacrifice as the family. My wife worked very, very little when the kids were little because we didn't want daycare. We didn't want, we've had some help from family but Mm -hmm. uh they were rare one day a week maybe and that wasn't even full time because we wanted to be the parents we like our kids and we like hanging out with them and (laughs) um most of the time i mean i love my kids you like them most of the time yeah (laughs) um having a 14 year old uh girl and a a a 12 year old boy has its challenges but i still do really (laughs) really enjoy hanging out with them i love getting the phone calls from my son like in the middle of the day he'll just be like oh i found this thing online it says he's a computer kid uh where he's like i want to buy this graphics card it does this this." i'm like dude i'm working like i can't listen to you about your graphics card (laughs) so they're they're goofy kids um i uh i tease harp a little bit because he's your boyfriend your significant other he's not uh, uh much of a smiler and i saw he was smiling on your vacation so it must have been good 
Oh yeah, no, he's like I I, th- I compare him to like Kanye West or something. Yeah, he really <laughs> he, does. he does not he does not smile often. That man, but uh, no, he's yeah. awesome though. But when the heart. girls are around, then he always smiles. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah. like that like grumpy old man, and then when the kids come around, he's like the best. He's like just into everything. <laughs> Beautiful. So he's a good guy. I like Harp a lot. He's uh, your co-founder with uh, Vector One. With Vector right? One, yeah. yeah. His family did that kind of stuff for a long time, right? Yeah, the uh, construction. They built uh, houses since 96, his dad. Okay. And then, yeah, and then cool, we're cool. in the asbestos game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's the future for Queen of Bud? What's, uh, how many stores, across Canada? What What are your guys' long-term goals? Oh, I'm so excited. Every The brand itself has gotten so much attention. And then the fact that I'm one of the only women in cannabis um, has created even more. And then maybe because of my other successes or the Instagram, it's even more. So we've, we've had calls all across Canada for dispensaries to come under the brand as a franchise model. Nice. So we have um, a bunch opening up in Ontario, um, Edmonton, uh, BC, once they figure out their what they're doing and are they struggling more than the rest of Canada BC um yeah I think that they just haven't put rules in place yet for it because BC you know they're kind of like we've been growing it forever we've (laughs) had it here like don't put rules on us you know and I I totally understand where they're coming from as well so gonna wait until that gets figured out but yeah we're expanding across Canada I'm so excited um and then um We've been approached by some of the malls, so we're going to get into some of the malls, which is wow. great because, yeah, we've people love the look of the store. I put so much love into it. Like, I really made it who I am. So it has a moss, flower wall, waterfalls, rose gold crown molding, chandeliers, and I made it super glamorous. People would look yeah. at me and be like, oh, you don't look like you smoke weed. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to make weed glamorous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you don't. That's what I was shocked at about being in your store. And I said it a bunch of times on here, but it still kind of blows me away that your customers are not what I thought they were going to be at all. And I've only spent total of 20 minutes in your store but it is very very diverse and your store is very glamorous classy it's very you know if you look at liquor stores and they're kind of dirty warehouses almost and that's not what you find when you come here Mm -hmm. i have have you been in any of their stores have they gone to the same kind of effort the dispensaries well they went the route that i was thinking that they would which is like green and contemporary and wood and you know kind of that look and i knew that it was great but it's catered to only men and i like i don't feel comfortable going into those stores like why can't it be you know a little bit glamorous or like a spa like feel where people kind of come in and relax um so that's what i wanted and that's why the brand's doing so well is because it's so it's different i went a totally different route than everyone else and and i you know people like, oh, well, now you're totally, you know, no men are going to come to your store. But I mean, we still have so many men that come here. We also have very beautiful women working here too. (laughs) So maybe that drives the the men in. But um, Bars do the same thing. They keep it filled (laughs) with as many beautiful employees as they can. (laughs) 
Um, mine are beautiful inside and out, but, um, yeah, no. So it, it worked out very well and I'm so happy I went with my instincts and not what people told me because a lot of people bashed my idea and now it just seems like we've been called the Holt Renfrew of weed or the Saks Fifth Avenue of weed. So now we're getting approached by even actually a couple different hotel chains that are like, we want to put you in our hotels when that's going to be okay. And so really, really positive feedback. I, I'm really shocked that, that that the malls and the hotels, when we, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, looked at opening up a pool hall um, that may or may not serve liquor. We weren't sure what we we're going to do. It turned out the only way we'd make money is by serving liquor. <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up not doing it for that reason. But we couldn't get into a mall. Like if there was a, a grocery store in there, the grocery store contracts say you can't have pool halls within a certain amount or in the same building as them. And so if there's a, gro- I'd be surprised if there's a grocery because well, no, co-op is doing it. Yeah, co-op's doing it. Aurora's actually, I think, getting into Chinook. Nova's in Southland right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they've, at first they said no malls and then kind of the big guys started to go in. So I'm like, well, if they are, I am too. Yeah, there you go. Have you found any um, deterrent because you're a lady in the industry or have you found that it, it's been more helpful? I think if you see anything as a weakness, it'll become a weakness. If you see it as a strength and learn how to use what people think is a weakness, kind of, and it becomes a great advantage. Um, So yeah, I mean, I've had people try and and pull stuff, especially when we were building the store with the construction crews and, you know, they think I don't know, but I'm in (laughs) construction. Um, And so, you know, you just politely have zero tolerance for anything and you put people in their place very quickly if you just are calm and you stick to the facts. And and I I don't take anything from anyone. I've worked way too hard to be in the position I am to have anyone take advantage of me or treat me like I am less because I am a woman right good well i'm glad you know what i I talked about that i think on a podcast a while ago that people with you know let's say adhd or um ocd that they're like oh that's a a deficiency that's something that that is going to bring you down and i think they're all tools if you use them properly and and responsibly they're they're actually good for you um we have families diagnosed family members diagnosed with ocd and they're like you should get checked i'm pretty sure you're ocd and i'm like "Eh, it's fine it's working (laughs) i don't think i need medication or to change the way I think think because it works. I I am OCD. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As you can see, the store is always very clean and everything is just on point. And that's why I've become so successful because of my OCD. Right. So again, like you're saying, I think everything that happens to you in your life, um, you know, you can feel bad for yourself and act like a victim or you can see it as a learning lesson Um, or, you know, figure out how to find, you know, something that's negative and make it positive. And if you can do that, life becomes very simple. Yeah. I I just recently had a discussion with uh, my daughter. She has a little bit of anxiety. And so we were, what I want her to understand that it wasn't uh, a deficiency. Like it wasn't something wrong with her because she was anxious about something. That it's a tool you can use like fear and sadness and, and depression. Those are all tools that were given to be able to overcome certain situations, right? If you're anxious around specific people, um, that's telling you that there's something not right about those people. So you use that tool to not be in there certain situations um, make you anxious or scared, right? There's a reason that when we look at a snake, we back off and go, oh, this is scary. So 
as a as a mom of girls, is that something that you guys ever talk about? That the you know how they feel around other people, like the the anxiety that that girls get, uh, not just girls, that the people get being around um, different people. Well, they actually did a study. I watched a documentary on this uh, specific subject in regards to kind of the millennials and why we all have such bad anxiety. And I tell you, I have anxiety all the time, but I kind of, you know, I use it like you're saying as a tool and you have to, uh, if you want to be happy in life, nothing comes easy. You're going to fear it. You're going to, you're not going to like change. That's how we're, we're programmed. And so if you, you know, I've been so scared about so many things, but I faced my fear. And then at the end, I'm like, see, like, why were you even scared of that? You know, it's, it's all good. And the anxiety too, like I just try to, why am I anxious? Get to the root of the problem, solve the problem. And then maybe your anxiety will decrease a little bit. Exactly. I think anxiety is mostly just misunderstanding. So you're anxious because you don't totally know what's going to happen, right? I imagine investing into uh, cannabis, there had to be a lot of anxiety around (laughs) that. Um, I know a lot of people thought that this is going to be a money grab. It's going to be so easy. And you just open up a store and, you know, you're going to sell pounds every day and and just have it rolling in. And I think it's probably a really good business venture. But it's not as simple as, you know, opening the garage door and letting out pounds every day. No, I think, um, yeah, like getting to this point has been really difficult. I mean, the the AGLC getting that approved and then the city of Calgary getting that approved and then... Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's had challenges, honestly, every single day, but I knew what I was, you know, meant to do. I knew what my vision for this company would be. And so I just chose to just keep pushing forward at any time a problem came up, remain calm and then find the solution. Sometimes I'll sit down and I'll be like, okay, this is a solution. This is a solution, you know, write down five or six that are, and then just pick the best one. And that's all you can do at the end of the day is just do the best you can. If it's in your control, great. If it's out of your control, then why stress about it? You can't change it. Right. You know, just do everything you can. hundred percent. Do you have an education in business or like, do you have a, Uh, I guess a post high school education. Well, I went to Mount Royal university in the psychology program um, for about a year. And then I, I, yeah, I wasn't so lucky to have parents um, help me out with any of that. So I had to pay for my rent and work full time. And then, and then to do five courses a semester, um, it requires a lot of time as well. And so I thought, you know what, this is just not for me. I'm maybe going to make a hundred grand a year uh, if when I finish my education and then have a hundred grand worth of debt. But if I can, you know, make uh, millions of dollars in the next eight years by, you know, just being smart and figuring, figuring business out a little bit and having my own company, why would I not go that route instead? Right. And so you just did the, the few months of psychology? Yeah, I did one year there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I absolutely love psychology. I listen to <laughs> Jordan Peterson, a couple other psychologists. Yeah. It is, uh, I, I think if I didn't get into construction, that probably would have been the right place for me to be was in psychology. I love it too. And to be successful in business, psychology is a massive, 100%. Uh, the marketing it takes a massive side of it. Role. Yeah. Yeah. 
And even just dealing with people. Problems, if you don't understand psychology, problems become very difficult to solve. If you don't know how to work with people and yeah. and kind of understand them, it's, it's very difficult. 100%. Um, as you were talking earlier, I was thinking a little bit about what the future holds in Canada as far as cannabis. And of course we have bars where you can go and, and drink and, and dance and do all that. Do you think we'll have like cannabis lounges, some places people can go to, to as a group or, or, you know, like bars? Yeah, actually the AGLC is already working on that. Oh, they sweet. already are. So, I mean, and that's why I chose a larger space as well here so that we could eventually kind of set up some tables and turn it into like a coffee or smoking lounge. So, wow. um, I do think that that will be accepted, um, m- maybe next year, the year after. Very well, I guess it depends on the politics, yeah, side, right? politics yeah. side, but the, uh, and I was downstairs waiting on you, the, your staff was so polite and so nice, but, uh, you have, uh, a security guard down there or a doorman down mm-hmm. there. Is that required? Um, it's not, but, um, we are downtown right across from a train station. Uh, and so, and then just the fines are insane with the EGLC and then you get red flagged. And if you get red flagged, it's going to be difficult for me to get other approvals with them. Right. And okay. so, um, I rather have a doorman there that's been in the bar scene and understands fake IDs and, and you know, all that kind of stuff so that it just keeps my company safe. And then it also keeps the staff and the girls that are at the counter safe as well. Yeah. He's literally ID'd everybody. There was a lady that came in, had to be my age, like mid forties. And he's like, can I see your ID please? She's like, really? I know. <laughs> but it's, it's good, right? Yeah. He is super cautious. I'm like, you know, maybe you don't got to ID the 50 year olds, but yeah, um, he, he didn't ID me. But I also wasn't buying anything. Oh, no. You look that old? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's the beard. It's all coming in gray now. It used to be red like Vikings, and now it's all old man gray. So uh, I think I've hit everything on my list. Is there anything you want people to know? No. Do you want to ask me anything else? Like about anything? You know what? I'm, I'm super impressed with you and Harp. Um, so Harp being, uh, he's your boyfriend, right? Yes. Significant other. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, the way you guys run Vector, um, and, and what you guys have done with that company was super impressive to me. Um, Harp is an extremely smart guy as well. So maybe how you guys got together. Um, so we met through friends years and years ago. Um, and then, um, yeah, just, we ran into each other at a, at a bar and kind of it hit hit off from there. I'm like, I don't know. And he just kept pushing. Yeah. He's like, I know what I want. Um, but yes, he's very, very smart. Um, I would not be the w- businesswoman I am today if it wasn't for him. Um, it's tough because we are so different and we're so... Um, the way that it's when you work with someone like it's it's very tough because we're business partners we're best friends and then you know we're trying to parent the girls and yeah yeah, so but um yeah he's he's incredible and he's pushed me in a way that no one else has he gives me tough love everyone else is scared (laughs) to give me tough love i don't know gives me a bit of tough love that challenge most of the time yeah (laughs) but it's 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 forced me to you know level up a little bit and become a better person he pointed out my flaws and no one else would do that in the past and so it's sometimes if you don't know what your flaws are you can't really change it and self-evaluation is so important right? yeah and so i feel like i'm 
you know, turning into the best kind of version of myself. And I definitely thank him for, for doing that. It's amazing how the right partner can take you from someplace that you never thought you would, or where you are to someplace you never thought you would go. Cause my wife did the same thing for me. I was the, the party guy, the drunk guy, the, you know, <laughs> ripping it up every weekend, spending money as fast as it was, uh, coming in. And, uh, when I met her, I completely changed my outlook on life. Like, Oh, now I'm not doing stuff for me anymore. Now I got to do stuff for her. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I started drinking less and, and working more and, you know, concentrate on saving and buying a house. And then the kids come along and again, that's another driver, right? That you, you see those beautiful eyes open up for the first time. You realize, Oh, there's so much more work to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. That you, you have to go after it now like you never have before. So people, if they had met me, well, I met my wife, uh, I think 16 years ago, about 16 years ago. If they, mm-hmm. the people that know me now, they would never believe who I was 16 years ago because it's completely different. So that's sort of what you're talking about, right? Like you, when you find a right partner in your life, they're going to drive you to that next level. Well, I think for what kind of he says is it's more so like I was so stuck in mom mode when we first met and really like that was all I knew was just being a mom and making sure that everything was clean and the house was in order. And, and he was kind of like, no, like you're a CEO. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) Like, he's like, no, you, you, you are so smart. And I'm like, what do you think I'm smart? Like I knew people thought I was pretty, but I didn't really recognize that I was smart. And so he kind of pointed that out and then kind of worked with me a little bit on, on how to, you know, be better. Yeah. So I'm jumping all over the place here, but I'm thinking about the educational side. So I said, I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson. I love psychology stuff. He's working very hard at kind of squashing the universities. He's now going to kind of rate universities on whether they're going to educate you or indoctrinate you. He wants them to be gone. That it's most of the money that's coming in is going to uh, administration and not to, you know, building better students and, you know, the cost of running a building and landscaping and all that kind of stuff is is way more money than it should be. So obviously the, the education wasn't super important for you, although I'm sure you're using the stuff that you did get. So for your kids in the future, are you going to encourage them to be educated? Are you going to encourage them to be business owners? Or are you just going to sit back and go, well, let's see what... Cause if you have kids, you know their personalities are never the same. I don't know how you can make two of the exact same thing the same way and they come out so differently. <laughs> yeah, those are a lot of questions. So Sorry. the first, one, yeah, um, the first one. So the education system here is completely broken. Yeah. I don't agree with it at all. Like I actually just take it on to teach my own kids at home with uh, homeschooling no no like they go to an actual school but on the you know when they get home i i educate them on science and kind of what's up to date right now with elon musk and like Mm. these are things that they don't teach in school they focus so much on the past right like the the past is the past like let's talk about today let's talk about the future because that's what they need to be educated for they don't need to be educated about the the past or in a you know a certain amount a certain amount right 
and so I think the school system's completely broken. As far as me, I know so much about psychology because I took the, I stayed up every single night, uh, you know, till 2 a.m. watching videos on psychology and watching documentaries and, and, you know, figuring it out on my own. It had absolutely nothing to do with going to university. I didn't learn a thing in university. I think it was a total waste of money and time. Yeah. And, and honestly, like my, my girlfriend, she, um, has 50 grand worth of debt. She got her master's, uh, finally, uh, where she's 28, same age as me. So just finished school. And she has time to be in school, you know, no car, no house. And now it's hard for her to even get a job because she's technically overqualified and they're willing to pay her 60 grand a year. Like, you know, and so I just, yeah, I think that the school system is really broken and it doesn't teach you the skills on how to actually survive in life. Yeah. Like I was fortunate. I think I grew up very kind of street smart and kind of understood things in a way. Did you grow up here in Calgary? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they don't teach you about how to interact with people, how, you know, about marketing and how people perceive things and yeah i think that they're missing out on a lot and i you know i think for elementary we we know the 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 school system is designed to create factory workers that's that you know it has been that way for a long long time that there is a reason that they sit for a certain amount of time and that they get breaks at the times that they do then it's all you know around a bell or a buzzer that gets them out there so the the general school system i think most people would agree that it's designed to create factory workers which we of course which we need Right. Yeah. No, true. You you need the sheep, but I've always been a wolf and my girls will be <laughs> wolves too. They are ready. My daughter, like at the age of three, was like, hey, mom, I need an investment. And I'm like, what? For what? She's like, oh, I want to do this app where people can create their own hair accessories and jewelry and then 3D print it and it gets shipped oh, wow. to their house. And I'm like, holy moly, that is a really good idea. <laughs> but no, I'm not giving you an investment. Yeah, way too young. Yeah, because I'm going to do all the work and I don't have time. Uh, but brilliant. Um, yeah, and then like, you know, we look at the different robots that they're creating in uh, Japan and uh, artificial intelligence. Like my girls watch that stuff as well. And she's like, so crazy. oh, it doesn't make sense. Why did they make the there's a robot that cleans up toys yeah and uh and she's like you know they didn't really think about it very you know thoroughly because they should have made something that's you know kid friendly like in the shape of a cat instead of this intimidating robot and i'm like you know what fair enough girl fair (laughs) enough next ceo coming coming right up you know sate does a summer camp for kids that teaches robotics Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Uh, t- I had my son do the um, graphic design and um, animation camps down there, and they were phenomenal. Like, you're getting university professors teaching kids, little kids, 10, 11 year olds, um, real science, real art, real that you don't get in, in, um, in elementary school. So, oh, it was, really, it was cool. really cool. I can't remember the name of the program, but they have robotics they have um yeah all the different science experiments they they can go in there and do those they have animation and it, it was pretty awesome there's a school called um rennert 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 or some, up in the northwest and um hmm. uh it's it's fantastic because what they do is they, you know, kids aren't meant to sit in school from 8.30 till 3.30. Your no. brain checks out and then, you know, it just, 
it goes in one ear and out the other. And so what they do is they, um, you know, have science and then you go and you do some yoga meditation and kind of start to, you know, learn about your feelings, your subconscious. Then you go into, you know, computer programming and figure out about programming, artificial Hmm. intelligence. Like then you go and do some karate. So they have this crazy. very cool. Yeah. And then that way the kid actually absorbs the information because they're getting breaks and kind of doing something that they want to do in between. So I really, really like that. It's just very expensive. But yeah, (laughs) outside of that, it's great. We had a a girl on the podcast that um, I'm not remembering her name right now. She was a toy maker as an adult. She's about the same age as you, maybe a little bit younger. Um, but she was unschooled. So they sat in their house. She's got two parents that are professors, and they just had lots of books around, and whatever she wanted to do, they would read it to her until she learned to read, and then she would start reading these books. So she's a super, super well-read lady, um, and she's running her own business. It's not super profitable making... Um, stuffies for adults <laughs> but it's it's definitely a better way of educating she's more free she seems more relaxed you know you see these 18 and 19 year old kids nowadays and they seem pretty stressed out from from it's because they don't have a purpose back in the day like yeah. it, you know our parents it was like oh you go to high school and then you can either do university then you meet someone and then you get married and then the wife stays home the man works and Da, 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 da. like it goes on and you just kind of knew your life plan you knew your purpose kids yeah. nowadays have so many different options and um it's really intimidating and it's stressful and you it's mm. so i think it's more and actually in that study it was more to kind of do with that than anything else in regards to why kids have such bad anxiety so are we not teaching them goals then because i know goals can get rid of depression anxiety like uh, there was a boxer um i'm not remembering his name Maybe I should start smoking weed more often. My <laughs> brain would work better. Uh, he's got a big fight coming up next weekend against Dante Wilder. No, um. this is a heavyweights. Uh, they call him the Gypsy King. But anyways, he he had uh, beat Klitschko, um, which was what his goal was as a boxer for his entire career. And then, you know, he had all the money, he had all the fame, he had reached his goal, he had no more goals, went into a deep depression, started drinking, going out and um, hanging out with women. He's married, got kids, and he's, you know, he just went off the rails. Probably partly because of the money and the fame and the stress that comes with that as well. But he said, I had no goals. Like, he got up to like. Well, that's his fault. Like, I mean, I accomplished this. And the yeah. day that I this store opened, uh, you know, that was my goal was to get this store opened and yeah. have it be beautiful and have it be, you know, well staffed. And once that happened, instantly I'm like, okay, what about franchising? What about expanding? I right. wanna, you know, get my own LP. I wanna, you know, supply my own beauty products. Let's talk to different companies like uh, right away I had another goal and you know maybe oh he's like I have enough money I have enough fame we'll help people find a purpose go go do something like it's his own fault that he didn't have more goals that's just and that's exactly what he said he says a person without purpose is nothing so for him he needed to have another fight to get himself, you know, motivated. No one motivated him. He had beaten the best of the best. And then this Dante Wilder came up and uh, he was like, oh, called me out. And, you know, he said I was a fat has-been and all that kind of stuff. And that motivated him. So now he's out there. He's training again, dropped a bunch of weight. He's totally ready to go for this fight. Um, but again, he only has that one goal. And in fighting, you almost have to not have other goals because if you're not focusing on the fight, you're 
it's difficult. It's it's a uh, at that level you can't have thirty other things on the go, but you have to have another goal when that fight's done. So it's almost like win or lose. As soon as that fight's done, he should have someone stand there and go, "Okay, what's your next goal?" Because without that goal, without that drive, what do people do? Like, how do they get through their life? Yeah, well, I don't think, I think at the end of the day, you have to be that person standing beside you being like, what's your next goal? But I think with kids, the, everyone has to, it's kind of like, um, on new year's, everyone's like, I'm going to have a new year's resolution. That's dumb. You know what I mean? Like every day you should have a new year's resolution. So, and set reachable goals. So anyone is going to get anxious. Like my goal is, okay, I want to, you know, be, be a millionaire in the next five years. Well, that goal seems really intimidating when you don't have the little goals, the little steps every single day to hit that, to hit that target. So I think, you know, every single day I set realistic goals. These, this is my list to do today. These are realistic goals. And in the long run, it's going to get me to that point I want. Right. And it, and then it kind of, it decreases your anxiety, right? And then you achieve your goals because no goal happens just like, oh, I, I beat him like that. No, yeah. he had to train for it. He had to plan for it. There was a lot of hard work that goes into hitting that goal. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in life. It's the baby steps. Yeah. So did you always have that drivenness about you? Like even when you were little or was it the the family? Was it the, the kids harp? Like what was it that, that really put the drive into you? Yeah, I think I always had it. Yeah. Always. I always had goals. Um, I was always different, like odd kind of in the group. I don't think I fit in with anyone. Yeah. Uh, finally, when I got okay looking, then it seemed like people <laughs> wanted to hang out with me before that. I was like the loner in yeah. school. Yeah. Um, so I think it was always there. The drive was always there. My mind, kind of the way I think is so different. Yeah. Um, and before I thought that's what made me a loser. And now I see that, you know, that's what made me who I am today. Did that come from your family? Like, uh, are your family a driven group of people? Yeah, they say that, um, you know, you kind of see yourself the way that your parent, you feel that your parents see you. Um, So I was very fortunate. My grandparents helped raise me and they honestly make me feel like I'm the queen all the time, you know, like they yeah. have always supported me, always loved me. Anything I decide to do, they're like, that's great. Like, good job. Very like they were so encouraging. My mom, same thing, like just so fantastic and loving. Like my whole family has always been there for me and supported me Beautiful. through all of my different decisions. Um, and you know, when I decided to get divorced, I mean, that's not an easy decision. And they were so supportive. And I love my ex-husband. Like, we're best, we're best friends. Like, we... So how do you get divorced after being with your best friend? That, that I don't understand. You know, we just... We, we have just different goals. Okay. He really wanted, like, a, you know, a housewife. And, and I really wanted to be, you know, independent. And then he kind of likes the party scene and I'm that's not really my scene so I think we just are different but at the same time like we co-parent the girls and I he's you know he's great and good dad yeah yeah yeah. that's very cool I I I get it I'm friends with like half a dozen or a dozen of my ex-girlfriends they're really really good friends of mine and then my wife likes them so it's it's easy but normally when people go through a divorce I don't think it's 
very common for them to be friendly to each oh, other. Oh, it was awful the first couple years. <laughs> like, it was terrible. Like, he bashed me. I bashed oh, him. Yeah. There was rumors made up. And we're just totally, like, losing it on each other. But then, you know, I just decided drama's a choice. And yeah. how I can't control how he acts, but I can control how I act. And, you know, this is someone I used to love. He's the father of my children. So why would I want to hate on him or, yeah. you know, treat him like he's any anything less? So, so he's not necessarily a bad person. He's just not... You guys just sort of grew apart. You had different Yeah, goals. we're just different. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. It, and I just... So at first, like, he would try and fight with me and then I'd just be really calm and just be like, well, you know what? When you're feeling up to it, let's chat about this again. And, you know, That's and really kind of... annoying. You know that, right? Understand <laughs> his, his point of view. Like, before when we'd argue about things, I'd just see, think about myself and my own yeah. feelings and you did this to me and think about the past. And yeah. no, I just let go of all of that. I'm in the moment. Let's, you know, if there's an issue, let me see it from your side. Let me show you, you love and kindness. And... And that's what really fixed it and brought us back together. And and cool. at the end of the day, when he has his outbursts or get mad, he gets mad or anything, I just remain calm and always act rational and calm because then at the end of the day, I feel good about myself. Right. He's not going to see me in a negative light. And, and he said that to me. He goes, you know, you're so nice to me and you don't <laughs> have to be. And, and I really appreciate you kind of raising the girls on your own and doing this. And, and he shows so much appreciation now. And I feel like he sees everything that I've accomplished and how hard I've worked. And that's just cool. a really nice feeling to be okay like that with him. So would you recommend, so you obviously got married fairly young. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend people getting married young? Um, well, I don't regret my situation because I have endometriosis and so you're, um, they said I couldn't have kids. And so, um, I had to have a hysterectomy. And so I was so fortunate. I got two little girls before I had to have that. And so I don't regret it because I wouldn't have my girls and they're my life. And, and I wouldn't have worked this hard if it wasn't for the kids. So I feel like for me and my plan, it worked out exactly how it should. Um, but for, yeah, for other people, I don't think you really know yourself and what you want until you're maybe around 28 (laughs) or or even (laughs) older. Um, I couldn't agree to you more. I, I, I didn't meet my wife until I was 30. We got married at like 32 and that was perfect for us. Cause if I had married someone in their twenties, I would have wrecked them. I would have wrecked the kids. I would have wrecked them. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a good person to be around. It took me a long time to figure out who I needed to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I do I do think you should wait uh, a little bit. You know what? The The decision-making part of your brain isn't fully developed till you're 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, the frontal cortex. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Oh, okay. That, um, that's not fully developed till you're almost 25. There should be a rule about you can't get married till you're 25. <laughs> <laughs> I get you like each other or you think you really like or love each other but you probably don't. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's tough, but at the same time like we all have our you know, maybe that's what we needed. I needed yeah. it. So yeah. everything happens for a reason, right? Uh, and I don't I think totally that there agree. should be rules in life at all. <laughs> I think everyone has their own you know, way that they're meant to go and yeah. and have the experience that they're meant to have, right? So what, what's your utopian? And that's a very good question because we, we obviously <laughs> can't live life without rules. Like there has to be rules because there's people out there that are just not good people. So we set rules for the people that are not good. But for the rest of us that uh, 
no, they set rules for me too. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm a better person. I can make good decisions and be nice all the time. But uh, so what, what, what's a utopian, utopian civilization to you? That's a really big question. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, I just don't, I don't think it really, I don't think it really matters. I think we're here to have the experience that we're meant to have. Yeah. Um, you know, that some people are going to have a more futuristic kind of experience. Other people had the horse and carriage. And <laughs> I think it's changing all the time. And yeah. every time, you know, we have a different different lesson that we're meant to learn. And so I kind of see it almost, I, I believe Elon Musk's theory on the uh, simulation, mm, I would say. Yeah. yeah. The, so for people, maybe fill people in, what, what's, what's the simulation? Where are we going? Um, where are we going? It's more so how we were created. So I think he's kind of thinking that it's kind of like a computer simulation that we're in a, um, in simple forms of video game. Okay. Perhaps. So, um, they've, so you'd be, you come here to have kind of an experience, um, and then you. So you're like you, a, a a being of some sort, an energy of some sort, and we come into this life to have an experience, and then we go out as energy somewhere, and then so do we get recreated? Do we come back? I don't know. <laughs> I I haven't. Yeah. I I'm truly. I I mean I. I don't know. It's just a theory that I kind of agree with. If you look at the advances in artificial intelligence and um, and technology, like they actually had to shut down a, a robot because it was having human emotions and it wasn't listening to them anymore. And yeah. it and so I think um, yeah. And if you look at video games, like what's the point of a video game <laughs> to collect coins? If yeah. you the more coins you get, the easier the game gets, and you yeah. get to you know go to different levels and travel and have yeah. more fun. And that's what you think real life is. You know, I kind of think it's I kind of think it's like that. Um, I'm going the opposite way. So my end result is uh, my dirt floor hut in a jungle in Belize <laughs> next to a river where I can pull fruit out, go pick some, uh, or sorry, pull fish out of the river, go pick some fruit and uh, maybe have some people to spar with and train with and stuff like that. That's my end result. I don't, I don't need a bigger house. I don't need a better car or truck. I'm looking to go the other way. So once I hit my financial goals, it's like, see everybody. My wife's not totally on board with this yet. Oh, <laughs> I don't I don't think it has to do with money at all. Like I think that's everyone's long what is everyone's goal in life? To be happy. Yeah. To be happy. So I think that if you, you know, the, the more coins you collect, it's not necessarily about a bigger house or things. It's the yeah. ability to have financial freedom to live your life as you choose. That's 100%. Yeah. And I just, for some people that, that keeps driving them, right? They want to have the next bigger house. They want to have the better Oh my car. gosh, they, that's it. It's, I call that the hamster wheel. Oh, so It's never fun. ending. And I'm yeah. not like that at all. I don't believe in buying brand names. I don't believe in spending thousands of dollars on things. I believe in helping people in making nice. an impact on this world. I volunteer at, um, uh, at uh, hall services, social social services, kids that get removed out of their homes. Okay. I mentor them and, and help them. And that, one, makes me happy because I feel like I have a purpose. Yeah. Two, I feel like I'm... I actually... I get to do something here yeah. and, and change something. I did the uh, Big Brother and Big Sister program um, uh, right before I met my wife, actually. I, I had nothing going on and, and needed 
a purpose. And mm-hmm. I found it in the Big Brother and Big Sister program. And it was amazing. Um, uh, my little now is 23, 24 years old. Um, I still talk to him once or twice a year. And, you know, he's <laughs> got on with his life. But it was a game changer for me. I don't think people understand the the true benefits in giving. And, and you know, churches really revolve around finances and they talk about that. And, you know, a lot of charities are about finances. But I think as an individual... I think you got to give some of your finances. I think you got to give some of your time. I think you got to give away all of your wisdom and knowledge. Like you can't hold on to any of that stuff, in my opinion. So that's what I really try to do. You know, the podcast is called I Want to Know because the more I know, the more I have to give. The, um, as far as my finances, I believe the same thing that, uh, well, most religions believe whatever you give, you're going to receive back, you know, 30, 60, 90, a hundred fold. So you have the, the kids charity that you work with. Do you guys do financial giving as well? Yeah. So we, we have a bunch of different charities that we're getting involved with, with Queen of Bud. Cool. Um, but back to your point about the, um, about giving, uh, they did a study and they would, you know, they monitored people that would buy something. So you really want this new car and get this new car and your dopamine levels would rush and your serotonin levels but it would come down very, very quickly. Right. And then, you know, or you would help someone. So people that helped someone and did something kind for someone, that would last longer yeah. than, you know, getting that car, getting that item that you worked for. It's very um, temporary. Yeah. And so I think people don't understand that if you give and you help people, it's going to make you happy as well. A hundred percent. Uh, psychologist Dr. Kelly Brogan talks about this. So she's a psychologist that have completely stepped away from pharmaceuticals and she does everything holistically. So, you know, she gets you on a good diet, she gets you exercising, she gets you meditating, mm-hmm. gets you time in the sun, and then she also tries to clear your life of assholes. So, you know, you, you got to get rid of the stresses that are coming around you as well so that you can heal and then go into that giving mode. Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson says, um, do what's right for you first. Um, but not only right for you, right for you, your family, the community, all, you know, everyone around you. And that's so important. That's the giving part, right? Like people stop at the doing what's right for you, right? The getting the new car, making me feel good, buying the expensive purse or, you know, the, you know, being the life of the party are all going to be, are never going to be the things that change your life. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Kelly Brogan's pretty amazing to listen to. She's got a podcast, too. I haven't got a chance to listen to it very much, but she, for 15 years, fed people pharmaceuticals and said, I didn't see any change. And no one got better. It was just... No, and yeah, I completely agree. I've never seen it truly work. It just seems to make people worse. Yeah, and I think it probably does for some, but I think the majority it doesn't. I know, uh, back to my... Um, big brother and big sister, my little about three months into our relationship was having trouble at school and they um, diagnosed him with ADHD and then of course uh, medicated him right away. And he became this drooling, you know, non-eating, just non-energetic kid. And it was heartbreaking to watch. And I had talked and they're like, well, he's got a learning disability. I'm like, no, he doesn't. I took him rock climbing. He learned to tie the knots. He learned all the rules. We weren't allowed to climb until he knew it all. In a matter of 15 minutes, he learned the exact same thing I did. That's not a disability. 
that yeah. you know if you're disabled you can't do that so if you can do it maybe there's something wrong with the environment maybe school wasn't the right thing exactly. for them right we can not medicate them and again i'm not picking on his mom or the system or anything because she's a very nice lady and she was a single mom and two kids and again didn't have finances she was struggling um so i'm not saying that no one should never do that and you're a horrible person if you do i get it but i think there's better ways out yeah like i agree completely yeah the medical system is the same thing it's it's difficult i uh um to i what's the right word I um an advocate for my parents with their doctors now because well, you met my mom a couple of weeks ago. We yeah, her I here. love her. She's so <laughs> cute. <laughs> She's uh, they're going to try CBD here really really quick. So uh, I'm excited to see the change in their life from trying CBD and you know reducing their pain and the anxiety so they can grow to that next level. Again, it's not the magic pill, but if it can help them move to that next level without addiction, without ill effects without side effects then uh, i'm excited for them yeah no i think that's really good and your mom's i really like her <laughs> she's awesome she went home and bragged to my dad about you too she's so sweet she knows so much and she oh <laughs> that's so nice yeah well you know what we're we're into this for uh, an hour and a half and mm -hmm. uh i have a charity not a charity event a documentary being uh shown today in airdrie so uh, no one needs to know because it's going to get uploaded after it's done. <laughs> but uh, maybe we can call our quits here. So um, how do people get a hold of you either on Instagram, any social media? Where's your store? Let everyone know about you. Yeah. So um, my social media is noteworthy.gal um, or queen.of.bud. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of dots in there. We'll, we'll There's no good all. Instagram names left. No. Um, and then uh, our store is located at 1717 10th Avenue Southwest. Um, um, and just so everyone knows, I'm sure that because we discussed these stock issues, we unfortunately are not open seven days a week unless we have enough product to actually last us the week, which has been a challenge. So yeah. I try to update our Google hours at all times. Yeah. Um, but we post yeah. on Instagram whenever it's not happening. Yeah, so. we try. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. everyone, check them out. Their staff is super knowledgeable, super friendly. This is most definitely the the classiest, glamorous store <laughs> um, that Ashley's talking about. Come check it out. And and uh, even if you're not doing it, come down and get an education. I'm sure uh, they would love to talk to you about what they do. Yeah, thank you so much. It was lovely no, to do this. I really appreciate you, you coming in. So uh, Maybe in a few months when you get a couple more stores up and going and uh, uh, some other big accomplishments, we can have you back on again and maybe we'll bring Harp on too. Yeah, that sounds good. If he's not too shy. He's he's not. Yeah, he's pretty shy. I don't know. <laughs> he <laughs> might. He's... He was planned to come out or I had planned for him to come out and do a podcast with us months ago and he sort of blew me off. But I think it was because he was too Oh, totally. Shy. He yeah. even told me, he's like, Ashley, he's like, you just do it. He's like, I can't do it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I, I'm phoning him. I'm going to call like him the, out. I'm like the front front guy, the front man. He's, yeah. he's kind of likes to just hang out in the... <laughs> We'll in the back him. we'll get him. you should because yeah. he has like he's done like you were saying amazing things with vector i yep. did the marketing and the branding and like the paperwork and that kind of stuff but he was the guy on site and he he does it. amazing customer service yep. and uh that's kind of almost where i learned a lot of stuff from as well and cool. just the way he treats the employees and we're all yep. a happy family and that's how we are here at the dispensary as well Beautiful. like i really selected the best of the best to, to work here and people I felt were, that were positive and, and, you know, wouldn't give me a headache. They would, you know, bring me up and we can have fun together and work together. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll get Harp on here. Everybody go to noteworthy.gal or to uh, Queen of Bud on Instagram or check out their store in downtown Calgary. Thank you, everybody, and have a great night.